Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Yeah, welcome back, Maximizers, to learn how to maximize your income, your influence, your trust, your negotiation, everything to make your life and income better. This is episode number 227. This is Kurt Mortensen. Thanks for being here. Please like the podcast. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your neighbors. Have them subscribe because we really appreciate being here, teaching these skills that can change your life and your income. It is a lot of fun. Appreciate all your email and your support. Remember, we're at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. And, of course, Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Hopefully you had a great week. My week was mostly soccer tournaments with one of my daughters in Nevada. It was warm, but, you know, it's Nevada and lots of casinos. And so, you know what? We are going to do a ninja now. Ninja go. Ninja for casinos? See, all right, Kurt, are you kidding? They're blunders. Well, uh, whether you love gambling, hate gambling, love casinos or hate casinos, man, have they researched the subconscious trigger zone. They know exactly how much money they are going to win from each person on average when you walk through those doors. There are no clocks. You don't know what time it is. Even your blackjack dealers aren't wearing a watch. I've heard that they filter the air so you can't tell that it's been raining outside. The carpets are so loud and obnoxious to look at that you don't want to look down. You're looking at the blinking lights, all the successful people. They're winning. They're having fun. Revealing outfits, doing anything to distract you, including alcohol. The lighting in a casino tends to be low and inviting. It has this friendly home-like feel. And everything you need is in the middle, so you've got to walk through everything and there's never, ever a reason to leave a casino. Anything you could ever need from food, shelter, entertainment is all right there. The music's just below our radar. It's soft, easy to listen to, puts you in a trance. You've got the trackers where you're getting points for losing money, points for staying there. You're getting points for spending money and losing money, which is always kind of interesting. Very easy to get into, harder to get out of. In fact, I heard a lot of casinos with this last tragedy in Vegas, they had to relabel their exits because nobody could find the exits. And if something bad happens, no one knows how to get out. So the way they got around it is they actually labeled them emergency exits, and so the alarm will sound, so you still can't get out of a casino. The patterns can be a little confusing, so you spend more time there. There's no windows. Never at any time will you know if the sun's out outside. And like you talk about, the whole place is like a maze. And here's an interesting one. You play with digital credits or poker chips. That's not real money. You turn in your money. And so now it's not really $100. just it's a $100 chip, which changes your mindset. A lot of the computer-generated slot machines keep you very close, almost winning. You are almost there. You almost won a million dollars. Another subconscious trigger. One interesting one I saw recently is they give you a sense of control where you're rolling your own dice, you're picking your own numbers, 
you're pulling the little lever. So you're part of the victory. So you have more sense of control. And of course, social validation, everybody sees the big win. There's photos on the wall and that's perfect social validation. And here's one you probably haven't thought about, oxygen. Now this is reported, I haven't really proven it, but I've heard it multiple times that they use higher levels of oxygen in their establishments to help keep players awake. So they have these pressurized tanks, they're pumping in oxygen, so gamblers feel a little more refreshed and alert with more oxygen. They don't get tired, they gamble more. Some even release pheromones, not sure one, probably oxytocin, not sure, but they promote feelings of comfort and euphoria. They make the environment a little more addictive, probably a little more appealing. Now you've got to decide, is this legal? Is it legit? I just think it's interesting. It's fascinating. The ninja, again, whether you like it or not, goes to the casinos. They've done their research. They know how to persuade and influence below the radar. And now it's time for our geeky article. Brought to you is from Psychology Today and Dr. Johnson. He's a professor at Pennsylvania State University. And it's going to be part of our content today, too. It's the psychology of expectations. And part of it is your expectations as a person, as a persuader, and managing their expectations. And a lot of people set unrealistic expectations. And so this is what you need to understand as you take a deep dive into human emotion, is that frustration comes from unmet expectations, right? So some expectations, spoken or unspoken, has not been met, and that unmet expectations turn to frustration, which quickly could turn to anger. Now, this article spends more time on our own expectations and how they're out of whack quite a few times, which is probably true. He also talks about, you probably saw the Law of Attraction in the movie The Secret where people just sit on the couch and they expect money to arrive in their mailbox. They expect money to arrive in their bank account, and it does. And hey, I'm all about affirmations. I think there's a time and place for that. But if you're sitting on the couch expecting to be wealthy, a form of delusion, you need to put your vision and your affirmation and your mindset and your positive thoughts, those are good, but you need to have an action plan also. Otherwise, strange things might tend to happen. And he talked about relationships. But what happens if the other person has no interest in living up to our expectations? What happens is we feel shock. We feel resentful towards that person. And what is resentment? Well, resentment comes from the word sentir, which means to feel, which means you're rehashing and refeeling all the times they wronged you or didn't meet your expectation, whether it's parents to a child or a lot of new couples getting married, they have different expectations. They come from different backgrounds, different parents, different mindsets, different ways to argue, different ways to discipline. And when those expectations aren't communicated before marriage, that can cause resentment, frustration, and anger. And he says a lot of times these are unspoken expectations and the other person never even knows that it's causing stress in your life. One of the things that throws us for a loop he talks about is that expecting life to always turn out the way you want it to. <laughs> and we already know that'll lead to disappointment because life has not always turned out the way you want it to. And we get beat up. Bad things happen. We become negative, pessimistic, doubtful, and we're full of disappointment. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. And when I was doing research for the laws of charisma, I did notice that optimism was a big piece for charismatic leaders, for influential people. I mean, the studies are astounding that optimism leads to better social networks, stronger social support. 
Optimistic people have higher levels of motivation, persistence. They perform better. Even the belief in good luck produces a positive impression that causes feelings of optimism and confidence. And optimism adds years to your life. Now, I'm not talking about getting sitting on the couch, but optimism is an outlook. And I think the difference between the person that's so optimistic that you want to break their nose, you know the type of person that you want to hit because it's so unrealistic. And Monday morning, nobody can be that positive and optimistic. That's kind of nauseating sometimes. But a good optimistic leader, a good optimistic persuasive person, they know there's going to be failures. They know there's going to be setbacks. But they know for the most part, eventually things are going to be okay. They're going to turn out and you're going to be okay. And if you're having a challenge with optimism, Dr. Martin Seligman's book, Learned Optimism, is powerful. He talks about you can choose to be optimistic. You can take responsibility for your life and don't blame. Because when we're stuck on blame, that means it's not our fault and we don't have to fix it. We never fix it. And it just increases our negativity and pessimism because there's something always wrong, even though it's somebody else's fault, but it's really our fault. Do you catch that one? You can associate with positive people, the way you talk to yourself. The way you eat, the way you exercise, all those things come into play with optimism. It's part of this package in your expectations. So the bottom line with this article is that we don't tend to verbalize our expectations. You know, we're in these give-take relationships. and People create stories or thoughts in their heads about legitimate expectations of each other. No one's ever communicated these. They just think it's a social norm or their norm or they should know it or they should act that way or pick up those things or not eat that way or any of those things that drive us nuts. One example he uses about this friend who always listened to her friend's problem for years, listened, 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 and then then that one time she didn't talk about her problems, it didn't happen and the friendship ended, right? Unspoken expectations are almost guaranteed to go unfulfilled. So let people know about your expectations. That's his input about the psychology of expectations. Now, let me add my research to that. Now, we talked about frustration. We've talked about resentment, a lot of these human emotions. So one of the 12 laws of persuasion in the book Maximum Influence, which is free, by the way, just pick up shipping and handling at lawsofinfluence.com for the latest edition. Again, lawsofinfluence.com. Expectations was huge. That impact a suggestion. You can lead people down the path to persuade them. We can't influence reality. You can. I mean, think about it. Go to a family gathering or, or work. Get three or four people involved. Choose someone that nobody likes. <laughs> and the first person says, you look sick. Are you okay? You look kind of pale. Well, I'm fine. What are you talking about? Second person, are you okay? Are you sick? Third, no, I'm fine. Third person. By the time the fourth person comes, that person goes home sick. I don't need to tell you how powerful the brain is that placebos work over 50% of the time. When you create the right expectations, it influences reality and creates results. We tend to make decisions based on how others expect us to make those decisions, how they expect us to perform, whether that's setting goals, whether that's expectation as a parent. Expectations have a powerful impact on people, strangers alike, and the people we trust. You've heard it before. What gets measured gets done. What you look for, what you measure, what you expect is all part of this process. And what we don't know on a positive and negative level is we communicate our expectations in a variety of ways. It may be through our language, our word choice, voice inflections, our body language. Even when someone introduces you by their first and last name, you tend to use your first and last name. We send out cues. We send out information. 
Wiping your feet on a mat in front of someone's home increases the chance of you getting in. Handing a pen with a contract increases the chances they're going to sign it. Saying thanks in advance in an email increases the chances they're going to do what you're asking them to do. Those are expectations. So you have to manage your own expectations, but you have to create the right expectations in the people you're trying to persuade. In fact, there's a study done at a military base that was used to train combat soldiers. They created two groups of soldiers, and they had the equal IQs, and then they put them into different groups. There was high expectations, regular expectations, and low expectations. We already know that those are the high expectations, performed better, scored higher, felt more positive, achieved more results, and had better attitudes. Even with second graders, right before a math test, the teacher had three statements, depending on the classroom. One was expectation, one was persuasion, one was reinforcement. So it went something like this. You know your math really well. You work really hard at your math. Or the persuasion statement was like, you should be good at math. Now, what do you think the results were? The highest ones were in the expectation category. Remember, you know your math really well. You work really hard at your math. The expectation of them doing really well. Even saying things like, this is a hard math test. This is an easy math test. When you say it's easy, people do better. Another word for this in the world of social psychology is called priming. That's a fascinating science to where you can prime people to think differently, to act differently, to feel more successful, or to feel more like a failure. In fact, they had these people doing these word puzzles with different words, and one group, all their words were rude words, okay? Annoying, disturb, interrupt, and polite. And the other half were doing word puzzles with polite words. Respect, courteous, considerate, polite, patient. Anyway, they went to go talk to the proctor after they'd worked on these word puzzles. <laughs> and the proctor was talking to somebody and wouldn't stop talking until they were interrupted. They were waiting to be interrupted. And here's what's interesting with the priming. Those primed with rude words interrupted on average of 5.5 minutes. Those primed with the polite words interrupted an average of 9.3 minutes. Here's another fascinating study. So they had people estimate math problems. Okay, so the first problem was 8 times 7 times 6 times 5 times 4 times 3 all the way to 1. And they had to estimate within 5 seconds. Then the next group, a different group, would see the same problem but in reverse order. 1 times 2 times 3 times 4 times 5 all the way to 8. Now, logically, we know that it's the same number. But when the 8 was in front, people guessed the answer was 2,250. When the 1 was in front, the average was 512. Now, the sad note is that the real number is 4,320, but we won't go into our math or estimation skills. Even when we talked about price, the get-what-you-pay-for expectation. Isn't it interesting that a generic non-brand painkiller does not seem as effective as the national brand? The expensive designer jeans fit better in a nice store instead of those bought at Walmart. Many studies have been done on the perception and impact of price. For example, a study was done to find out the effectiveness of painkillers and electric shock. What, again, why are they always shocking people? Anyway, they gave these painkillers and they would start shocking them. Now, before this, they showed them these brochures on new painkillers that they were going to be testing. And the brochure said that 92% of participants receiving this new painkiller found pain relief in 10 minutes. And the medication will last for eight hours. And the price for this new medication will be $2.50 a pill. 
The other participants saw the exact same brochure, everything was the same. The only difference was the price for the medication was 10 cents a pill. Hello? After they were giving shocks, the participants were asked how effective this new painkiller was. The study found that 85% of the participants said that the $2.50 pill worked great, but only 61% said the 10 cent pill worked and they felt less pain. Even with wine. Same bottle of wine, but when it was a $90 bottle instead of a $10 bottle, the $90 bottle was rated much higher. And even during MRIs, your brain actually thinks it tastes better, even though it's the exact same wine. For those who love to study NLP, or Neuro Linguistic Programming, and we talked about that in episode 116. Remember, the archives are at InfluenceUniversity.com. The archives are free, but it's also home of the 52-week Advanced Influence PhD program. Check it out at InfluenceUniversity.com. So NLP fans, again, neurolinguistic programming, embedded commands is a way to change expectations to communicate right to the subconscious mind. You probably see this online, especially online where they underline or italicize a word or bold a word or make a word of different colors. What they're finding is it's bypassing your conscious mind going right to your subconscious. And that this type of marketing increase sales by 10 to 20%, depending on the study. Saying things like, have a Pepsi day. The embedded commands, have a Pepsi. And we found the most effective embedded commands are short and concise. Maybe two to four words, easy to follow. So embedded commands change expectations. In fact, you see these on infomercials and in marketing where these words that pop out to you, either how you say it with your vocal variety or your voice or in print text, you're going to see things that kind of pop out to your subconscious mind. Things like become really interested, become wealthy. My favorite one on infomercials is by now you realize. Uh, embedded command is uh, buy it right now. How good it feels. Read each word. Change your life. Become really interested. Learn quickly. Improve your results. Adopt this solution. Discover. Take action now. Or... <laughs> One I saw the other day was you, like me, uh, what? Anyway, you like me is the embedded command. The science shows a 10 to 20% bump just by changing the expectations. Whether it's the vision you set, the goals you set, the environment that you create changes expectations. I mean, you ever been to a Nike store and you just feel like you could run a marathon? You've been to a restaurant and you feel guilty for not ordering a drink. You go into a store in the mall and you feel guilty for not buying those are all expectations. Or you go to a casino and you don't gamble, right? Those are all subconscious triggers that we could talk about another time. But the environment that you create, the environment that you're in, makes a big difference in your ability to persuade. And sometimes we don't even think about subconscious triggers. Remember, up to 95% of influence involves those subconscious triggers, those expectations. Whether we talk about casinos or in the workplace or your ability to persuade, you have to manage the right expectations, whether it be expectations of price, expectations of how much time the presentation should be, expectations on how long you're going to work together, expectations on how long it's going to take you to solve their problems. That is up to you. If you don't take care of those expectations, if you don't manage those expectations, remember, unmet expectations turn to frustration, which can quickly turn to anger. So if someone's frustrated with you, your company, your website, your business, there is some unexpectation, spoken or unspoken. You better figure out what it is because I can guarantee you they're not the only one that's frustrated or upset. 
So thanks for being here today. Really appreciate this. Remember, you can also find the podcast at Spotify, iTunes, and other locations at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. We're also posting to Pinterest, Facebook, and YouTube under Maximize Your Influence if you want a daily dose or persuasion tool of the day. Master these skills, change your life, change the world, and go out and persuade with power. 